0: Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Iris today. This is the reading of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier for Monday, February 5th. I'm your volunteer reader, Bob Young. Let's look at the stories on the front page of the Courier today. A New Hope, Grand Opening, Hope City Church ready to unveil its new Cedar Falls campus on February 11th. And we begin with a photograph of showing Pastor Crovatus Marshall and Matt Morgan of Iowa Media as they discuss placement of audiovisual equipment inside Hope City Church's worship space at its new location in Cedar Falls. And the dateline is Cedar Falls. Leaders of Hope City Church seem to have thought of everything when designing their Cedar Falls campus. The newly refurbished 38,000-square-foot building at 3712 Cedar Heights, formerly owned by Central Rivers Area Education Agency, will hold a grand opening at the 9 and 11 a.m. Sunday services on February 11th and again on February 18th and 25th. The excitement was palpable during a recent tour of the church's new space. Lead Pastor Quo Marshall, better known as Pastor Q., proudly pointed out the building's features from its nine classrooms and prep kitchen to laundry facilities and conference rooms. Construction workers were busy putting on the final touches. The classrooms will hold the church's Sunday school classes. Quote, parents can drop their kiddos off before services, Marshall said. There is singing and worship, playtime and snack time. Quote, These are all self-sustaining classrooms. They each have their own bathroom. There are cameras in each classroom, and a security officer is on the premises at all times. Safe, clean, and fun. That's our focus. If you get them here, we'll do the rest. Unquote. Marshall said of the 1,000 people who attend the non-denominational church each weekend, about 250 of them are children. Quote, The children are our most valuable asset, said Angela Marshall, Hope City's children's ministry director and Pastor Q's wife. Quote, If you want to understand what the kingdom is about, look at the little children, unquote. The building also features space for breastfeeding mothers and a sensory friendly grace room designed for individuals with special needs. Quote, Whether it's physical challenges, Autism, Asperger's, everyone has a place here, Marshall said. The church also boasts a coffee shop with a full coffee bar and church merchandise, a large lobby bathed in natural light, workspaces for its 29 employees, and roomy multi-purpose rooms. Quote, These will be a resource for the Cedar Valley as well, Marshall said. Perhaps the most impressive space is the large state-of-the-art worship area where services will be broadcast from. Hope City also purchased the building next door at 3706 Cedar Heights Drive that will eventually house a teen center. Huff Construction is the general contractor for the $6 million project with financing through Farmer State Bank. Quote, I believe this is the first new church in Cedar Falls in about 20 years, Marshall said. The city has been great to work with. While many churches have seen their congregations dwindle, Hope City continues to grow, drawing hundreds of visitors each week, some from as far away as Cedar Rapids and even Des Moines. About 3,000 people call Hope City their church home, Marshall said. We reach about 20,000 more on KWWL on Sunday mornings, and about 4,000 to 5,000 online. Those are remarkable numbers for a church that launched in a private home just eight years ago. We had 210 people at that first service, Marshall said. The church's executive director of operations, Tracy Clayton of Cedar Falls, has been with Hope City from the beginning. Quote, I was excited about starting a new church and to be able to contribute to the leadership team. The vision of Pastor Q, his faithfulness and leadership, have been key to our growth. Our message resonates with people who want to make a difference. Quote, To know God, find community, and discover your purpose is universal to everyone, she said. It is the bedrock of what we do. Our leadership team is strong, unified, and ready for the challenge. We want to be externally facing and partner with other organizations doing good in the Cedar Valley, said Dustin Cox, executive pastor. Quote, we really doubled down after COVID. That included community meals, food distribution, counseling, and helping convicts transition back into the community. The church is also active in area schools through the Partners in Education program. It can be anything from supplying judges for events or donating money for snacks, said Mason Smith, associate pastor of students. If they say they need help with something, we're there. We think a church should be a blessing to the community it is in, Marshall said. Hope City on Sunday relaunched its recently remodeled Waterloo location at 118 High Street, which will house the Dream Center a community and resource center, with services at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. on Sundays. Oh. Crime continued downward slide in Waterloo in 2023. is at the lowest point in more than 15 years. Story written by Jeff Reinitz. Dateline Waterloo. Crime in Waterloo continued to drop in 2023, marking a second straight year of declines and resulting in the lowest numbers in more than 15 years, according to statistics released by the city police department. Overall, violent crime was down 3% in 2023, according to the police department. The city saw a 55% reduction in gunshot injuries over the prior year, and the number of guns seized, guns used in crimes, and guns possessed by convicted felons, and other prohibited people also dropped from 250 in 2022 to 200 in 2023. Total index crimes, homicide, robbery, rape, aggravated assault, burglary, larceny, and auto theft were at an all-time low. In 2022, there were 1,722 index crimes reported, and that dropped to 1,368 in 2023. Homicides went from an all-time high of 10 deaths in 2022 to 3 last year. Those who lost their lives to crime in 2023 include Mack Bass, 56, who died in a January stabbing, Roberta Nagy, 54, who was stabbed in May, and Muharram Quad Johnson, 45, who was shot. Arrests have been made in Johnson's and Nagy's deaths. Opioid deaths were up slightly in 2023, following a national trend. There were seven drug overdose deaths in 2023, up from six the year before. Overdose deaths are investigated by the Tri-County Drug Enforcement Task Force and can result in federal prosecution. Traffic fatalities were also up. Eight people lost their lives to crashes in 2023, up from three the prior year, even though overall crashes were down 1.48%. Last year also brought expanded training opportunities through the Waterloo Police Racial Equity Training Fund. The police department provided diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging training from Leader Valley along with the Law Enforcement Ethics Training presented by the Robert D. and Billy Ray Center through Drake University under the Josephson Exemplary Policing Initiative. Okay, now let's turn the page to the Cedar Valley section. Council takes up $7 million Hearst Center renovations. Dateline Cedar Falls. The preferred concept for rebuilding the Hearst Center for the Arts is a hybrid of both new construction and and renovation of the current space. The City Council will hear about the completed master plan and possible next steps at 6.05 p.m. Monday during a committee meeting at City Hall at 220 Clay Street. The proposal came about because of previously identified building deficiencies and the evolving needs of the community. The Council contracted with OPM Architects of Cedar Rapids for $24,000 last year and included the possible multi-million dollar project in its capital improvements program without objections. A majority of the estimated $6.93 million cost is expected to be covered through fundraising campaign. Extensive renovations are needed at the center, and that's been open since 1989. The plan has been in the making for several months, It includes an addition and renovations to the 12,000-square-foot building at 304 West Searley Boulevard in the College Hill neighborhood. The council will also consider a resolution to adopt the Image College Hill vision plan on Monday night. Mayor Danny Ludick believes a majority of the council will support the plan, which will guide revitalization of the area. It previously drew concerns about potential zoning constraints and the scope of the area included. The council, before the election, rescinded the plan originally adopted in 2021. Former Mayor Rob Green vetoed the action, but a supermajority overruled him. Council Member Aaron Hawbaker asked city staff to present a plan for areas of College Hill requiring the most attention. In other business, the council will consider approving a land use plan amendment and rezoning the 54 acres north of Bess Streeter Aldrich Elementary School, south of Green Hill Road, for future single-family homes at the request of Brent Dalstrom's Panther Builders. The hearing was delayed last month after Councilmember Kelly Dunn was supported in a 5-to-2 vote and wanting more information about the proposed changes to a buffer near the Dry Run Creek. Also, the Council will consider accepting the resignation of Julie Klegel from the Human Rights Commission, and consider amending the lease with Mercy One, dating back to 1997, for the land at its current hospital at 515 College Street. The terms would be extended through December 31st twenty twenty six. The agreement expired december first, of twenty twenty one. According to a memo from Administrator Ron Gaines, Mercy One will pay fifteen thousand one hundred twenty dollars for unpaid rent and interest. The council will consider approving the purchase of two parcels for sixty six thousand dollars from the Iowa Department of Transportation given up during the reconstruction of Highway 57 West 1st Street, the city is working with Habitat for Humanity to utilize the lots for affordable housing. And lastly, the council will consider executing a three-year lease agreement with Century Farms for the city's 390 acres of agricultural land known as the Bell's Farm outside of town off West 12th Street in Black Hawk County, and Grundy County. Century was the highest bidder at $401 per acre, or $128,320 annually from eight proposals. Only 320 acres is farmable at a time. The revenue goes into the city's health trust fund. Firefighters probe left behind tent on Brinker Lake amid melting ice. Story written by Jeff Reinitz, and it begins with a photograph of fire crews with the Waterloo Fire Rescue and as they're checking out an ice fishing tent that had been left behind on Brinker Lake in George Wyeth State Park on Wednesday, Dateline Waterloo. Firefighters checked on an ice fishing tent that had been left on the ice at Brinker Lake on Wednesday. Passersby had called in concerns about the tent, which had been sitting on the frozen lake for days because of the melting ice that came with the recent warm weather. Crews with the Waterloo Fire Rescue donned cold exposure suits and approached the tent with inflatable rapid deployment crafts in case the ice gave away. They found the tent empty and packed up the gear to bring it to shore. Police investigate robberies of pizza delivery drivers in Waterloo. Jeff Reinitz wrote this story. Dateline Waterloo. Police are investigating a series of robberies directed at pizza delivery drivers. On January 27th, a driver was sent to a home in the 100 block of Marsh Street around 10.14 p.m. When he showed up, two suspects grabbed the food and ran. Days later, the same driver was robbed again only three blocks away. But this time, the suspect was armed. On Wednesday, the driver arrived at an address in the 300 block of Sullivan Avenue where he was met by a man with a gun. The gunman took the pizza and fled, police said. It wasn't immediately clear if the crimes are connected. No injuries were reported and no arrests have been made. Mason City man arrested in 2022 Homicide outside Waterloo apartment. Story by Jeff Reinitz. Dateline Waterloo. Police have made an arrest in the 2022 shooting death outside a Waterloo apartment. Kevon Latrell Anderson, 20, of Waterloo, was found unresponsive with multiple gunshot wounds in a parking lot in the 200 block of Merriam Drive around 11.30 p.m. on November 21st, 2022. He was taken to a hospital and died a short time later. On Thursday, Waterloo police arrested Eric Antoine Hamilton, 23, of Mason City for first-degree murder and felon in possession of a firearm. Bond was set at $1 million. A revolver was found near the shooting scene, and witnesses said Hamilton had lured Anderson to the area with the intent of killing him, according to court records. Hamilton denied being in Waterloo at the time of the slaying, but detectives found electronic evidence placing him in town, records state. The firearm was given to the FBI, which examined the weapon for DNA and found a mixture that included Hamilton's profile, court records state. This isn't the first time Hamilton, a former Waterloo resident, has been arrested in a shooting. He was convicted of trafficking stolen weapons, criminal gang participation, and intimidation with a weapon in a 2019 incident where he allegedly shot at a rival gang member in the 300 block of Fowler Street. No one was injured, but two vehicles were hit by gunfire. He was released from prison in July 2022, just months before the Merriam Drive slaying. (laughs) Turning the page, we find the Week in Iowa section. In the news, gender identity protections remain. Iowa Republican lawmakers spiked a bill that would have removed gender identity from the state's Civil Rights Act, taking away discrimination protections from transgender people. Republicans on a subcommittee said the bill was dead after it was voted down 3-0. to Hundreds of demonstrators packed the Iowa State Capitol hallway on Wednesday, chanting and urging lawmakers to vote against the bill. Transgender Iowans said the bill was insulting and an attack on their rights. Representative Jeff Shipley, a Republican who introduced the bill, said it was intended to clear up what he saw as a poor definition of gender in Iowa code. Income tax cuts floated. Iowa GOP lawmakers filed legislation this week that would put Iowa on a path to eliminate the individual income tax over several years. The tax policy committee chairs in both chambers suggested the bill was, quote, the beginning and may not be passed this year. Republicans said in the near term they will focus on increasing and speeding up the existing flat tax cut man charged with hate crime for satanic temple vandalism. A former congressional candidate from Mississippi who admitted to destroying a statue as part of a display at the Iowa Capitol by the Satanic Temple of Iowa has been charged with a hate crime. Michael Cassidy, 36, from Lauderdale, Mississippi, faces a third-degree mischief charge for destroying the statue, which the group estimated to cost $3,000. And here are a couple of notable quotes. Quote, we need to just step back and start to ask some of those questions with the overall objective of making sure that we're doing everything we can to get these kids with disabilities the education that they deserve and hopefully see better outcomes. Unquote. That was Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds on a bill to overhaul area education agencies. And the next one, quote, There is no flexibility in this bill. It takes local control away from our schools and our districts 133 times. If you're unhappy with the administrative costs, then deal with the administrative costs. Don't throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. Senator Molly Donahue, a Democrat from Cedar Rapids, on Reynolds' AEA bill. Now, under the heading of Odds and Ends, Iowa football reports. Iowa football will self-report an NCAA violation after a Hawkeye staffer texted former Alabama offensive tackle Caden Proctor during the 2023 season. Proctor transferred from Alabama to Iowa this year after Alabama head coach Nick Saban announced his retirement. Next, Gender balanced boards. A bill in the Iowa legislature would remove the requirement that Iowa boards and commissions have an equal number of men and women. Supporters of the bill say the requirement is no longer necessary, while opponents say the bill would take women out of positions of power. Now, over the water cooler, death penalty. Iowa Republican lawmakers advanced a bill on Monday to reinstate the death penalty in Iowa for someone who kills a police officer. The crime would need to meet a number of criteria before a person is eligible to be sentenced to death. And on immigration bills, Republican lawmakers are considering bills that would revoke in-state tuition from undocumented immigrants and make them ineligible for public assistance. One bill would also introduce the crime of Smuggling of persons, making it illegal to transport or harbor undocumented immigrants, and conceal them from police. And now here's the in the news column Governor's AEA bill falters. A bill proposed by Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds to overhaul the state's area education agencies that provide special education to students across the state hit its first roadblock to becoming law. When House Republican lawmakers declined to advance it out of subcommittee on Wednesday, they said they wanted further conversations before taking more action. Senate Republicans, meanwhile, moved the bill onto the Education Committee, but they said it will see more changes moving forward. Parents of children with disabilities said during the meetings that they were concerned the proposal would weaken special education opportunities in the state. Reynolds goes to Texas border. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds will visit the southern border at Eagle Pass, Texas on Sunday and join Governor Greg Abbott along with a slew of other GOP governors. The visit comes as Abbott remains in a standoff with President Joe Biden over border and immigration enforcement. Private school enrollment is up. Two-thirds of the Iowa students who received $7,600 in private school assistance this school year already attended private school, according to figures released by the governor's office last week. Private school enrollment increased by 7.4% this year, while public school enrollment declined slightly. Incentives for Megasite Development Advance Project type, size, investment, pay-for-jobs, are key to qualify. This story was submitted by Aaron Murphy, and the dateline is Des Moines. A $93 million tax incentive program designed to lure economic development projects on so called mega sites, projects that span at least 250 acres with investments of at least $1 billion, is advancing in the Iowa capital after it stalled in the waning days of the 2023 legislative session. Iowa Representative Bobby Kaufman, a Republican from Wilton, said Wednesday that he believes the bill will earn fast approval this year. The proposal was introduced late in the 2023 session and was approved by the Iowa Senate, but shelved by the Iowa House Republican leadership over concerns the proposal was not being given time for proper vetting. Quote, we just didn't have enough time, Kaufman said, of the proposal's fate last year. Asked if he believes the bill will advance this year, Kaufman said, I do. The proposal was introduced by the Iowa Economic Development Authority, the state's economic development agency. Under the bill, a qualifying investment tax credit, a sales tax refund, and a withholding tax credit would be available to qualifying projects if qualifying projects are approved the program would cost the state 93 million dollars initially and then 18 to 19 million dollars at full implementation according to projections from the state's nonpartisan legislative services agency separately a local government could provide property tax abatement as an additional incentive the agency noted to qualify for the incentives A project must have the following conditions met. Be located on a site greater than 250 acres. Have investments totaling at least $1 billion. Be primarily engaged in advancing manufacturing, biosciences, or research and development. And they must create jobs that pay at least 140% of the qualifying wage and provide comprehensive benefits to each employee and the project will not have a record of violations as determined by the State Economic Development Agency. The bill allows a foreign business to purchase Iowa land in order to qualify for the program, provided the business is from a country that is an ally to the United States. An amendment to the proposal, introduced at a subcommitting hearing Wednesday in the Iowa House, expands eligibility to include businesses with existing facilities, that meet the qualifications. Eleven business groups and worker unions testified in support of the proposal. Quote We need bills like this in the state of Iowa to remain competitive, so we need to support them. Stacy Levin, the senior vice president of economic development for the Greater Des Moines Partnership, said during the hearing. Debbie Durham, director of the Iowa Economic Development Authority, told the Courier-Des Moines Bureau last year that the state missed out on luring a large solar energy manufacturer to Iowa because of a lack of the kind of incentives in the agency's proposal. An agency spokeswoman repeated that during Wednesday's legislative hearing. Lawmakers moved the proposal, Senate File 574, out of subcommittee, making it eligible for consideration by the full House. <laughs> Convention Center Restrooms Get $1 Million for Renovations, story written by Maria Cooper, and the dateline is Waterloo. The Waterloo Convention Center will undergo more construction, this time on its interior. The City Council could accept a bid for a restroom renovation project at the facility during its 5.30 p.m. Monday meeting. The project, estimated to cost $1.1 million, would include interior renovation of the four existing public restrooms and to add more bathroom fixtures and update the finishes. A family restroom would also be added, as well as a multi-purpose room. The city received five bids, ranging from just under $1 million to $1.3 million. The council is expected to award a bid to Peters Construction of Waterloo, for $995,697. The project should be complete by this fall. The interior of the convention center was under construction from late 2020 until early 2022. Tax exemptions. A developer constructing eight new twin homes could also be approved for tax exemptions. The homes, similar to duplexes, are in the Prairie Meadows Estates, behind Home Depot on Hammond Avenue and are located in the city limits urban revitalization area. Joe Robson Rentals LLC is requesting the 14 units valued at $170,000 each to have a 100% tax exemption for three years. They will be located on Omaha Avenue and Morning Dove Drive. The council could also approve the following giving canines Nico and Axe to their handlers after the dog's retirements, and a project-funding agreement with the Waterloo Development Corporation for asbestos testing of 100 Commercial Street, 118 Sycamore Street, and 128 Sycamore Street that could lead to abatement and demolition of the properties, and lastly, a professional services agreement with ISG Incorporated, for $7,000 for an analysis of a roundabout at Ridgeway and Hammond Avenues. Before the regular council meeting, a work session will be held at approximately 4.55 p.m. to discuss a resolution calling for a ceasefire in Israel and the West Bank. And now, listeners, we're just going to take a moment to remind you that you're listening to the reading of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier for Monday, February 5th, on IRIS. That's I-R-I-S, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind and the Print Handicapped. Now, let's listen to this announcement. If you're anxious about retirement, if you can't stop worrying about your aging parents' health, If you're depressed because you feel like you're losing everyone you love, turn to Your Life, Iowa. Anxiety and depression are real illnesses. Let us connect you to someone who can help, because mental health is health. Get the help you need to start feeling better at yourlifeiowa.org. We're a free helpline where you can talk, text, or chat 24-7. Brought to you by Iowa HHS. Now let's return to the news stories from The Courier. Reynolds, to join Abbott, other GOP governors at the Texas border. Story written by Caleb McCullough. Dateline, Des Moines. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds will travel to Eagle Pass, Texas on Sunday to join a group of Republican governors for a press conference as Texas Governor Greg Abbott continues to feud with President Joe Biden over border security. Reynolds was one of two dozen Republican governors who rallied behind Abbott last week as he vowed to continue installing razor wire at the southern border in an effort to stem the flow of migrants across the border. Reynolds's office said in a press release that the conference would highlight the actions the state of Texas has made to protect Americans in response to President Joe Biden's reckless open border policies, unquote. In addition to Reynolds, The governors of Arkansas, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, New Hampshire, South Dakota, Tennessee, and Utah, all states governed by a Republican, will join Abbott at Shelby Park in Eagle Pass. The U.S. Supreme Court last week cleared the way for Border Patrol officers to begin cutting razor wire fencing Texas officials had installed at the border after Abbott sued to stop them. The ruling did not impact Abbott's ability to continue placing the razor wire. Abbott has since said that Biden has failed his constitutional duty to secure the border. Abbott has declared the rise in unlawful border crossings and invasion, saying he has a constitutional duty to enforce border policies. Quote, because the Biden administration has abdicated its constitutional compact duties to the states. Texas has every legal justification to protect the sovereignty of our states and our nation, Reynolds and other Republican governors said last week. The Biden administration has been pushing for Congress to agree on a deal to secure the southern border, and Biden said he would shut down the border if given the authority. White House spokesperson Karine Jean-Pierre, said last week Abbott had politicized the situation at the border and was endangering people's lives. Quote, it's not making people's lives safer. It's actually making it harder for law enforcement at the border to do their job, she said in an interview on CNN. Quote, and so we have been very clear. We want to make sure we get something done at the border, unquote. Reynolds will hold a press briefing in Des Moines after she returns on Monday, her office said. (laughs) Concerns About School Merger Plan aired. Final Town Hall Forum brings out 35 People, Passionate Discussion. Story written by Angela Sturm-McLaughlin. And the dateline is Waterloo. The proposed merger of Waterloo's three public high schools brought out some passionate discussion, during the final town hall meeting. Approximately 35 people gathered in the Dr. Walter Cunningham School for Excellence Library Thursday, offering their input on the $165 million plan over two and a half hours. The combined grades 10 through 12 school is proposed for the Central Middle School and Waterloo Career Center campus on Katowski Drive, at the western edge of the Waterloo Community School District. Community identity was a theme throughout the night. One attendee interrupted Superintendent Jared Smith as he outlined the proposal, tying it to past slights by the district. He mentioned that the West High School has received more funding because of higher enrollment and that Waterloo School's boundaries are unfair to the community living in the northeast side of the district. Smith outlined the vision for the new facility, combining East, Expo, and West highs in an expanded Central Career Center building would result in one of the largest schools in the state with a projected enrollment of 1,980 students. Once the school is built, East and West would become 8th and 9th grade schools. 6th and 7th graders would attend Hoover, Bunger, and Carver Middle Schools. Smith mentioned the age and condition of both current high schools as a factor in how education is delivered for today's students. Quote, East and West High are still serving our students. When you compare the opportunities in terms of the building and in terms of spaces we offer our students at our high schools, it is not equitable compared to other districts. It's just not, Smith said. Quote, East High is beautiful. We all love East High. But it was built for students of 1918. Rooms are small. They do not have air conditioning, and some do not have heating. We are addressing those needs, but there are basic needs at East that are not being met, unquote. Attendees and presenters agreed that the location at Central Middle School does present issues. However, Smith argued that recent investments in the Career Center paired with Memorial Stadium, open since 1994, along with available land for development, make this the best option for the proposed merged School. Residents questioned how the district would fund the project while making upgrades and revisions to both East and West high schools once they became junior high schools, serving 8th and 9th graders. Quote, school districts have to follow state law and how they pay for things. Jeff Sommerfeld, Waterloo School's chief financial officer, explained, quote, our day-to-day operations are paid for by our operating fund. SAVE, which is an acronym for Secure and Advanced Vision for Education funds, also known as the local option sales tax, have to be used for construction and cannot be used for salaries. Quote, What we are planning to do for East and West High School is going to come from something called our PEPO Fund, he said, which stands for Physical Plant and Equipment Levy. Quote, We use this to maintain all of our beautiful facilities. Unquote. Smith told attendees that they could reach out to the school board members or attend their meetings with further concerns. The board is set to make its final decision about the merger in the summer. For more about the proposed merger online, go to slash bridging futures. Bill advances allowing Iowa County Attorneys to be armed. This comes from the Capitol Notebook in the Courier's Des Moines Bureau. Dateline Des Moines. A bill that would allow county attorneys and assistant county attorneys to apply for professional weapon permits is taking a step forward in the Iowa legislature. With a professional permit, county attorneys would have the same authority as police officers, security guards, bank messengers, correctional officers, and private investigators to carry a gun in most places where firearms are banned. House File 2083 would allow county attorneys or assistant county attorneys who are issued a permit to go armed anywhere in the state at all times, including on school grounds. The bill provides that permits issued to county attorneys and assistant county attorneys are valid for the duration of their employment as a prosecutor unless otherwise canceled. Lawmakers have considered the proposal in recent years but failed to pass it. Jessica Reynolds, executive director of the Iowa County Attorneys Association, told lawmakers that while serving as Story County Attorney, the brother of a defendant assaulted an assistant county attorney in the hallway of the courthouse. The Iowa Judicial Branch is registered as undecided on the bill. Members of the subcommittee advanced the bill two to one for consideration by the full Senate. Judiciary Committee. Representative Lindsey James, a Democrat from Dubuque, voted no. Quote, I always, you know, philosophically question whether more guns actually keep us safer, James said. So I really wrestle with the unintended consequences of a bill that would make a major departure from the current practice. Quote, I certainly want to make sure that we have a safe, you know, court spaces, and I would like to see something like an investment in more court security if this is really a concern, she said. Teaching about patriotic holidays. Iowa schools would be required to teach students about a list of national holidays and conduct patriotic exercises under a bill House lawmakers advanced out of subcommittee on Thursday. House Study Bill 604 would require to schools observe and teach about meaning and significance the following holidays on the day they fall or the nearest school day. Those holidays are the birthdays of Martin Luther King Jr., Abraham Lincoln, and George Washington, Armed Forces Day, Memorial Day, Constitution Day, Columbus Day, Veterans Day, Thanksgiving Day, Bill of Rights Day. The rules would not apply to private schools. Education advocates told lawmakers the bill was an unnecessary mandate on school curriculum. Iowa State Education Association lobbyist Melissa Peterson said the rules written in the bill are also vague and unclear. The bill was advanced by two Republicans on a three-person House subcommittee. It is now eligible for a vote in the full education committee. Representative Brooke Bowden a Republican from Indinola said the Department of Education could provide clearer standards to schools if the bill becomes law. Quote, I think we need to make sure that we are teaching our children to respect America, and they should know what each of these holidays means. If we as a nation are willing to have these holidays, we should understand them. We should understand them fully. Unquote. Now let's turn the page to the opinion section. First, we have an article written by Pulitzer Prize-winning Art Cullen, and his editorial appeared in the New York Times. The title is, We Were Friends for Years, Trump Tore Us Apart, I Miss My Friends, We lost one another somewhere along the way through the pandemic and politics of the last few years, old boys who had known one another since Little League and caught boatloads of walleyes together on Storm Lake in Iowa. We gathered around a pool table a couple of times a week for many years to see where the fish were biting, to learn who was putting up that building on the edge of town, and to exaggerate exploits of days gone by. Our political discussions were limited to Hawkeyes, University of Iowa, versus Cyclones, Iowa State, football, or how City Hall didn't know Sikkim. There were complaints that Barack Obama wanted to take our guns, and that those idlers ought to get a job and quit complaining, and that a little guy couldn't compete in the trades anymore when the big outfits hired undocumented labor to underbid them on local jobs. But it was mainly jokes shouted over classic rock. If things got too heavy, our resident sage, Rooster, would commandeer the discussion and suck all the oxygen from the room with a rant about how most of the world's problems could be solved or at least avoided if weed were legal. Not even Rooster could talk over Donald Trump, a would-be tyrant holed up at a Florida golf course With a bunch of sycophants changed the conversation in our middle shed. Its walls could not ward off the bombardment of propaganda, lies, and false fears fostered by a half century of justifiable frustration wrought by consolidation, decline, and loss. The pandemic kept us away. I was lonely. I visited Rooster at his little bachelor shack and watched wagon train reruns. He wasn't feeling the best. We got back to shooting pool, though. It wasn't long before Rooster laid down his guns and died. Cancer got him fast. It should have shaken us straight. But hell sort of broke loose. Arguments started over vaccines and masks and Mr. Trump. The rodeo clown was no longer there to distract the raging bull set loose by the bombardment. So I quit shooting. One of my old friends, or shall I say acquaintances, recently said on Facebook that I lacked integrity after I posted an editorial from our newspaper complaining about Mr. Trump's contempt for the democratic process and rule of law. I've been a community newspaper editor for decades and no stranger to controversy, having angered the agribusiness gods and endured their reprobation but I have to say that Barb stuck. Our mothers were good friends. They would not have spoken that way about each other, at least in public. We're old enough for Social Security and to recall scooping the loop on a jacked-up Chevelle waiting for Beaker Street to beam over the AM airwaves from Little Rock, Arkansas, or how you used to bring your shotgun to Storm Lake High School and leave it in your locker, so you could bag a pheasant in a freshly picked cornfield after school. Rush Limbaugh took over A.M., and the shotgun gave way to the assault rifle. You would think we could see around our differences. We can't. We've been programmed by nonstop propaganda, especially those of us in Iowa, besieged by presidential campaigns and the wedge issues they drill home. Instead of trying to hash things out, I just quit trying. My bad. I got tired. Small-town hacks learn who their friends are. We publish uncomfortable facts of public interest and opinions that often go against the grain. Businesses stop advertising because you wrote about their lawsuit. That I get. It's a hazard of the occupation that I regret every day. You pledge to do better even when you have done nothing wrong. The ad hominem attacks have become the norm, especially since Mr. Trump took center stage and refuses to exit. We went from Iowa nice to Iowa nasty. We're stuck there, whether Mr. Trump leaves or hangs around. That's my lament. You can't just talk about the weather anymore or how to smoke a trout or compliment Solo on his pickled Polish sausage. You make new friends, but they don't necessarily replace the ones you lost right here in your hometown. I text my buddy in New York nearly every day, but I can't shoot pool with him. I still shoot pool with Solo, our retired pressman in the bubble of our former press room. He kind of liked Representative Steve King at one time because he took on the establishment. I differed. We sweated a lot together, slinging ink, even bleeding a little, for the truth at 15,000 impressions per hour. That's worth more than Steve King. I know where I live. Northwest Iowa is a frozen slice of Texas, one of the most conservative places in the country. I guess I am what you call woke, because I don't think immigrants are the problem. I think income, lack of it, is the problem. All this talk about bathroom bills and book bans is one giant distraction from how global corporations have stolen our franchise. I am not the enemy of the people. Dude, we were in Cub Scouts together. Rooster would have pointed that out in an outrageous way, and he would have ridiculed us all for being that stupid and blind. We would have laughed and cracked another cold one and grabbed some more of that trout. Those were the days. A note to our listeners, Art Cullen is the editor of the Storm Lake Times Pilot and author of Storm Lake, a Chronicle of Change, Resilience, and Hope from a Heartland newspaper. Now from Vanity Fair, Chuck Grassley is openly opposing tax bill because he wants Joe Biden to lose. It's an open secret in Washington that accomplishing anything to benefit the public during an election year is a tactical blunder for the opposition party. But on Wednesday, Senator Chuck Grassley let that secret slip unabashedly while protesting a bipartisan tax bill. Quote Passing a tax bill that makes the president look good, mailing out checks before the election, means he could be reelected, the 90 year old Iowa Republican. Told Semaphore hours before the bill's passage in the Republican controlled House, quote, and then we won't be able to extend the 2017 tax cuts, unquote. Far from mailing out checks, the bill would merely provide a larger tax credit for millions of children in low income families whose earnings do not meet the current qualifications. Grassley was seemingly referring to a 2021 child tax credit that did provide monthly checks for qualifying parents. However, checks are not mentioned in the most recent bill that cleared the House. The bill would also restore business tax benefits that Republicans originally passed in the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, including relief for companies with high debt burdens and immediate deductions for U.S. companies investing in research, experimentation, machinery, and equipment. While Grassley voted for the 2017 bill that originally provided the business benefits, he argued that the political timing might not be right to extend them now, the implication being that Congress could pass a longer-term bill if Joe Biden loses in November and Republicans return to power next year. Quote, there's disagreement by some people on whether or not the bill upsets strategy for 2025. Extending the 2017 tax bill, the lawmaker said, and all these things are questions that are unanswered, unquote. When asked whether Grassley still opposes the bill now that it has passed the House, a spokesperson for the senator said, quote, your characterization that Senator Grassley feels that it would be a mistake to pass the bill is presumptuous, Given that the Senate Finance Committee Chairman, Ron Wyden, has yet to schedule a Finance Committee markup to consider it. Senator Grassley looks forward to providing input at that time and does not yet have a position on the bill. Unquote. Inducing legislative gridlock to hurt Biden is a strategy that Donald Trump has likewise pursued. The former president is pressuring Republicans. Not to negotiate with the White House on a bipartisan deal that would sanction tougher border policies in exchange for another round of funding for Ukraine. Like Grassley, Trump doesn't want any bill to land on the president's desk that might make Biden look good or make Washington appear functional under his leadership as November nears. Nevertheless, Trump has denied trying to torpedo the deal for political reasons instead claiming he opposes it because it does not go far enough. Quote, A lot of people do call me, they respect me, and say, What do you think? The former president said during a trip to Washington on Wednesday. Quote, If the bill is not going to be a great bill and really solve the problem, I wouldn't do it at all. Unquote. Now from the Des Moines Register. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds' bill defining a man and a woman, explained in 75 seconds. Though they might seem self-evident, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds has introduced new legislation, House Study Bill 649, to define sex, man, and woman in state law. The bill also would make sweeping changes on how government collects public health data, issues birth certificates and licenses, and offers anti-discrimination protections. The proposal, introduced February 1st, is already raising a ruckus. What would House Study Bill 649 do? A quick rundown on the bill. It defines these terms in state law. Sex, female, male, woman, girl, man, boy, mother, and father. New Iowa driver's licenses and birth certificates would list both sex at birth and current sex for transgender residents. Data collected by the state, cities, or schools would identify people only as male or female. And the bill states that equal does not mean same or identical and, quote, separate accommodations are not inherently unequal, unquote. Reynolds told the Register the bill would protect, quote, Women's Spaces and Rights, as in 2022, when Iowa banned transgender girls and women from competing in female sports at schools and universities. And now, dear listener, that's going to do it for today's reading of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier for Monday, February 5th. I'm your volunteer reader, Bob Young. Remember, you can access a recording of today's reading of the Courier or of the other newspapers around the state that we read, just go to our website, iowaradioreading.org, at any time. And we want to thank you for listening to your IRIS, Iowa's first and only radio reading service.